to Everything Co-op, bringing you information on how cooperatives can help improve your quality of life. This show is being sponsored by the National Co-op Bank, NCB. The NCB is dedicated to strengthening communities nationwide for the delivery of banking and financial services for the nation's cooperatives, their members, and other socially responsible organizations. For more information on the power of community ownership, visit ncb.coop. That's ncb.coop. Now stay tuned for your host, Vernon Oaks. Good morning, everybody. This is Vernon Oaks. Welcome to Everything Cooperative on this beautiful Thursday morning. You know, we had a great dinner last night at the Heroes, the Cooperative Heroes. And Rock USA was key center last night. So we have some folks from Rock USA in the studio with us this morning. They're from all over the U.S. <laughs> And right now in studio, we had Natividad Seafed, Colleen Preston, and Lois Paris. Good morning, everybody. Good morning. Good morning. Good morning. So let's start off with how did Rock USA get started? Natividad, you want to you answer that one? For the association? Yes. Um, in 2012, it was an idea that got kicked around, and Lois and I decided uh, we'd jump on board with the question about how would you guys like to be an association to connect leaders nationwide together to have us a voice on the Rock USA board. And we said, okay, sure. We didn't know what we were getting ourselves into, of course, right, Lois? Right. So, Lois, why don't you tell us what is Rock USA? Rock USA is a, a group that started uh, as New Hampshire Community Loan Fund, starting to get tenants to become cooperatives and own their own communities, purchase their own communities. And then it went to Rock USA from that point to go nationwide. It's been an exciting journey and has taken quite a few years, quite a few different turns. When did it start? Oh, well, let's see. Um, in 1990, my, my uh, group where I lived in Belmont uh, tried to become a cooperative in 1990, so they were doing it back in then. I don't know if someone has a, a clearer date of that, but I'm sure it has because we were in the year 2000, the 44th cooperative in New Hampshire. Okay, now you say tenants can buy their units. So, exactly. Uh, Colleen, what kind of tenants are we talking about? In our particular case, we're talking about a community of uh, old, over 55 residents, but uh, Rock USA uh, has all kinds of communities, fam kind of, family communities and and uh, uh, retirement communities. So, Okay, but what's what's the type of housing? Oh, manufactured housing. Manufactured, uh, manufactured housing. housing. What uh, what uh, we we don't like the other terms that are that are thrown around. Can you uh, we, tell us so other people For example, know uh, trailer park is not not something that uh, we those words we never utter. Uh, mobile home parks even, but manufactured housing it's um it's uh it's a wonderful resource for affordable housing uh, it's a great untapped inventory in the united states and uh that's that's where we are that's what's going on it's a growing movement and um, we're just so thrilled to be a part of it so when i grew up in bluefield west virginia down south uh from you folk they were called trailers and trailer parks and it was always disparagingly talked about of the people that lived in it that I didn't like it. They talked about them almost worse than they talked about blacks. 
uh, and it was really sad. I did not hear anybody get discriminated against. But now it's manufactured homes, and they can be anything, the whole realm of manufactured homes. Some of the newer ones are, are, are just beautiful homes. They can You would never know the difference. And uh, But even even the older ones, they're, they're still homes. They're, there is definitely a stigma attached to, to some of the language, and uh, that's not... That's something we would like to really work towards um, eradicating, because that's that's part of part of our whole mission. So, what used to happen, I understand, for watching the videos last night, is that people had their homes uh, on land and they rented the land from a from somebody that owned the land. So they owned their own individual home, but the land was owned by somebody else. And as regentrification happened, the value of the land would go up. And then the homeowner, the person, the landlord, would sell the land, and people would then would be, be out of home. Is that kind of w- what was happening or what is happening around it's, the U.S.? It is what's happening. Uh, I believe the rate is at 2% a year, and it's climbing. What do you mean 2% of what? Of them closing or selling the parks. They um, in, in Minnesota, we just had a really big one recently, so I don't know if you want to talk about that just yet. Real quickly, when you say Minnesota, you had a big one. What's big? Uh, This particular community was about 126 families that were displaced due to a cell. Okay. Okay. No, no, that's that's the hardship. That's worse than the, you're saying the terminology of what used to be called is you get to have a home and then not have a home. Yes, sir. However that is. Okay. So who would like to answer this question? How has going co-op affected rents in your resident-owned communities? Lois. Hi. <laughs> the rent in, in our community when we purchased the park was 280 Now it's 370 So that's $190 and change, I guess, uh, difference, which probably amounts to about $10 a month. But, of course, these rents didn't go up right away and it was a gradual thing but in the meantime a beautiful uh, new water system with a computerized well house when my husband and another gentleman used to take care of the water system and meet the rats down there in the little hole that was there that they had Mm -hmm. to go down and do reading so that was enormous and we've uh, put in a couple of other new wells we've done all of the roads and just recently did uh, a street with all new water piping and new connections to the homes themselves. So when you're talking about raising rents, you're you're also talking about the betterment of the community because the community owner who's out to make money is not going to do all of that without raising your rents so time and time again. Own the land. They could even raise the rent without doing it. Absolutely, and that yeah. was more the case than not. <laughs> okay. That was more the case than not. And Lois, where are you from? I'm from Belmont, New Hampshire. Belmont, New Hampshire. How many uh, homes in your community? 111 homes. 111 homes. Mm-hmm. Natividad, where are you from? Minnesota. How many homes? We have space for 90. Space for 90. Yes, sir. We have about 78 filled right now. Okay, and Colleen, where are you? Uh, I'm from uh, Massachusetts, and I'd like to give a shout out to Cranberry Village in Massachusetts, my my home away from home. There, um, we uh, have 280 homes, and um, the the rent our rent situation has been great. When when we purchased our park in 2012, our rent was uh, going up four percent a year. That was written into our lease. Uh, since 2012, we have had two 
modest but very definite rent decreases. Uh, our rent started wait, wait, out. Oh, no, wait a minute, wait a minute. You just, yeah. How you had rent decreases? It sounds wait, amazing, wait, that, doesn't that, it? No, it sounds, that's strange. That's unusual. Well, that's we're, not, we're not making a, a, a profit. We're, we're a not, non for, non-profit organization, so we're not uh, pocketing anything. We're just, we're just um, making ends meet and doing significant, this was with significant infrastructure improvements. We put in a whole lot of new septic systems, for example. Can I believe you? Not, you had structural improvements yep. and rent decreases. Yes. So that's what this is all about. We're not the, the investor owners are there to make a profit and and bless them for that. There's nothing wrong with that. But we're not. We're nonprofit. So we are in in 2012. Our rent was five hundred and twenty six dollars a month, and today it's five hundred and ten. So uh, it's been a very, very stabilizing. With of, structural improvements. With, with structural improvements, definitely. And we have a, a very healthy bank balance as well. So it's it's been extremely successful. Oh, and, oh, oh, you have healthy bank balance, structural improvements, rent decreases. Right, right. There's no downside to it. Really isn't. This is this is just a, a wonderful opportunity. And if anybody living in a manufactured housing community now has this opportunity, I, I would say just just go for it. So so I understand from the videos last night you're in is it 27 states? Is that I heard some 15. number of states. 15. 15. 15 states. Okay, so 27 next year. Sounds good. <laughs> Let's go for that. And, and this, could I could I add something? Yes, Lois. In seven years, our park will be completely paid for. So that'll be very nice. And we'll also help rents to go down at that time. So in seven years, your park will Mortgage be... Mortgage will be paid. Okay, I live in a co-op, a 57-unit co-op in D.C. I have a one-bedroom, 680-square-foot home. Okay, I'm empty nester. I love it. I can halfway keep it clean. My rent right now is 570 the last payment on our mortgage to the National Cooperative Bank is today. Hallelujah. Congratulations. <laughs> and it goes to 388. Alfonso, our producer, my rent goes to 388. <laughs> where, where can you In Washington, D.C., right beside the metro, where you call it a gated community. There's a patio in each one of them. So it, it's just, yeah, co ops work. They do. They do. And for all of the reasons that you're talking about, but it's al- almost hard to believe, Colleen, that you have structural improvements, decreased rents, and a healthy bank balance, and you're able to save. Yes. Like and, and, and we plan more improvements. And the, you know, that's not the end of it. We have a lot of work left to be done, but, um, you know, the future looks pretty bright. Natividad? I can't top her by decrease, but we have held our rent the same for the last three years. Uh, we, too, also did a million dollars worth of infrastructure just a mm-hmm. couple of years ago. Mm-hmm. You saw a picture of us standing in front of a big, giant mound of dirt. Yeah. That was a 10-foot hole. That's the last night in the video. Yes, sir. Okay. So we did water, sewer, streets, lights, added fire hydrants, and more. Worked on some fencing over in Friendly Friendly. Revamped our loan and also got a grant for part of the sewer. So have money in the bank. Keep the rent stable. Okay. And here we go. We're, we're, we're doing more. We're going to have a break in a minute. And when we come back, because after, uh, after the next 15 minutes, we're going to have a couple other people in that talk about their uh, communities. But, you know, I would really like to know, you said we. 
we do this, we do that. Who is the we? So I'm going to talk about that when we come back. And do you do you use the values and principles of cooperativism? Uh, and a little bit about how you use those. Um, and if you, I, I can tell from your smile, you love your communities and your life now when you have control over it. But I'd like to talk a little bit about that to see if what I see is in fact true. They smile when you talk about rents lower, rent stays the same, flat increases and all of those things. And then we do it. We have a say. Who do we is that say. And you don't have a landlord. Landlord or I'm African-American and we used to have slave masters. They're almost akin to landlords. And the, the Bible even says that, what's that thing called? Credit is a new master. And when you have people over top of you telling you what to do and how you're going to pay and when you have no say, and they can sell the land right up from under you. That's the sad part. And you say 2% a year, don't do it. So we're going to take our first break. We'll be right back and we'll ask these other questions. The program is Everything Cooperative, and we have three ladies in the studio with us this morning. We're going to break out and have two others come in and the next at the next break. But they are all smiles and happy about their communities, uh, which is a part of Rock USA. And Paul Bradley, who is the executive director and president of Rock USA, got inducted into the Co-op Hall of Fame last night for the great work that Rock USA have done. And the spinoff of Rock USA is Rock Association. What what is that? Who wants to answer that for me? Okay. Um, like, I, like I said, uh, uh, back in 2012, Paul had an idea that maybe we should have a little bit of a group pull together to be able to be a voice for all of the leaders in our rock communities and also hold a seat on the board of directors for Rock USA. And that's how Lois and I started it and pulled that together with Paul Bradley's help. And now um, the following year in 2013 was the first voting. And we stayed on for our terms. And it's been going ever since and developing. And um, the excitement of being able to run for this now is growing as well. And it has uh, given us a greater opportunity to say to the board of directors at Rock USA, here's what's going on on the ground level, within your communities, with all your rock leaders and your members, and let us help you understand us a little bit more. Because they're not always there. They don't, they're not living in your communities. We are. So we, we give them the eyes and the ears to see us as we're working every day. Okay, so Rock USA helps the residents buy the land and create a cooperative. Yes. That's right, okay. Yes. And so once this co-op forms, uh, we got a 90-unit a co-op, a 110-unit co-op, and a 280-unit co-op sitting here in front of me, right? Yes, uh, sir. Okay. So you all have bylaws? Yes, we do. House rules? Yes, we do. Okay. 
and the members elect the board of directors? Yes, sir. Is that right? Okay. And so is that the we you're talking about? You say we have done? There is no I in team. Okay. (laughs) Or we. (laughs) There's no I in we. So working together, working collectively, working cooperatively, you're able to do all of these improvements without necessarily raising the rent. You may raise it modestly or Nativity has stayed the same and Colleen has had decreases from five twenty six to five hundred and ten dollars a month. That's sixteen dollars a month decrease with a million dollars of improvements. Some huge amount. Probably uh between half a million and a million, yeah. Something like that. So we do we do run on cooperative principles. We run it's it's a it's a dem- democratically organized uh one one household, one vote. Uh we have annual meetings every year to set the budget and elect members of the board. It's uh run by the by the co op principles and it's been quite successful. And the the ethical values you can answer this, Lois, of they said that the co-op cooperators believe in the ethical values of honesty, openness or transparency, openness, social responsibility, and caring for one another. Correct. But I'd like to add a little something. Okay. To me, the Rock Association, whenever you hear Paul speak, you're gonna you're going to hear him say scaling. They're always looking to reach the top of the ladder, but that ladder keeps growing. And they keep meeting the demands that are needed. And the association became a product of Rock USA to give that voice to Rock USA. So whenever you hear Paul talking, you're going to hear him say we're scaling too because it's never ending. Well, he used a number last night, I don't remember it, of how many homes, how many associations he has... We've, we've has converted two, 220 uh, conversions, and I think that's a, approximately 14,000 homes across the country. That's 14,000 families? Yes. That you have affected. Right. And if there were four people in a family, that'd be 56,000 people. Yes, it's, it's a lot of people. And, and again, it's a, it's a great unt- untapped housing resource, uh, an unsubsidized housing resource. There's no need for, for government intervention here. These are these are um, self-supporting co-ops. Oh, you say no government money? No, no subsidies? No subsidies. No. Y'all do it on your own? Yes. <laughs> but, but on the other side of that is the ability as a community and owners to reach out to RS uh, to USDA because that that was how we got um, one of our first uh, excursions in our community for some um, um, uh, new water pipes and our our community well. So U.S. Department of Agriculture. I believe it was USDA. Yep, yep. So we took out a small loan to have that done. So and and even in your own little communities, at least in New Hampshire, if there are grants at, even at the town level that you can qualify for, we've we've done that as well. Okay. We do this with the help of of um, of, of uh, technical assistance, and I work for Cooperative Development Institute, which does a lot a lot of technical assistance work in the New England area. And uh, without them, you know, we would it would be hard to get started. Mm-hmm. So uh, they're with us for for at least the life of the loan. So that's a, a great support system. And. Um, in every section of the country, there is a is, there's an equivalent organization, at, like uh, Cooperative Development Institute in New England. Okay, so when Paul talks about scaling, 
and they've done about 220 homes, 64,000 people affected. Do you have any sense of how many manufactured home communities there are in the U.S.? Do you have any sense? A lot. <laughs> 50,000. 50,000. 50,000 50, is the number we're being given now. And Just that's imagine a, that's, that. That's thank, a you, lot. thank you, Mike. <laughs> 50,000 manufactured homes, and you've done 220. So there's a lot of room for scaling. There is. Oh, yes. There is. That's like 2% maybe? It's it's really a, a, a great opportunity for homeowners in these communities. It's a great opportunity for the investors that own them because they they uh, they get pretty much get their price. You know, they're not. This isn't a, this isn't a, a charitable act on their part. They're they're selling it for a profit. So and and on top of that, the homeowners now own their community. They own their home. So when they go to sell their home, guess what? You have some value. Yeah, you create wealth. We have a line of people waiting to get in at this moment. I just don't have enough houses. Okay, so wait a minute. So you're telling me by doing this, you live better. You have a voice in what is done. The members elect the board of directors. The board of directors create a budget. You decide which projects you're going to do, wells or pavement or fencing or whatever. You decide this stuff. You decide, not some landlord some master over top of you, you decide what you do, and you can lower your rents, and you can create wealth because you can sell it yes. when you leave. Wow. And they're proud. It's it's something we're really proud of. The people are really proud. And even when they sell their homes, we have a gentleman who's been there 42 years, just bought into a stick-built home and sold his house the same day, and they're revamping it right now because it's, you know, it's pretty old after 42 years. And it's just, there's just not enough housing. There's just not enough. But it's well, amazing. All right. We got, what I, my numbers here, if they're right, was 220 of 50,000 is 0.4%. That's not even 1%. So there's there a lot of room. There are other resident-owned communities that are, are not Rock USA communities. But one of the, the beauties of this particular model is that homeowners only pay a hundred dollars to participate in this so instead of having buying a share for 20 or thirty thousand, which is common in this industry they're only paying a hundred dollars rock arranges financing that usually takes care of a hundred and ten percent of the cost the extra ten percent is for the necessary infrastructure improvements so it is a hundred and ten percent loan and it costs each individual homeowner $100. And that's a, a one-time fee, not not monthly or yearly. It's $100. Wow. Low to get in. So you create financial wealth, social wealth, so you know how to work together and you know how to work with politicians. So you get social wealth or other organizations like the U.S. Department of Ag or other like the Cooperative Development Institute and political wealth. Are you all much involved in elections and stuff up in your states? I got two hands raised. <laughs> yeah. What about the people that live on your property? Surprisingly, I was shocked how many people actually came to vote in our community, and I didn't care who they were voting for. I hugged them and said, I am so, so proud of you. Yeah. I, what, what, what I have found on this show, whether it's in, in Africa or Latin America or the U.S., that folks in 
co-ops go out and vote because they know the principles of a democracy of one member, one vote, so people get informed and go vote. Uh, I'm the same with you. I said, okay. I don't care who you've... Uh, well, I'm not sure that's true. Uh, <laughs> okay. But I do want folks to go out and vote. I really appreciate that. So that's what you are doing. Any last comments before we change out for the two of you? Lois or I, Colleen? I just want to say that... Uh, Colleen's community. Colleen's community. Sorry. Uh, their membership fee to join their cooperative was 100 Ours was 500 But what that cooperative fee is... It's seed money when you first become a cooperative. Yeah. And when or if you sell your home, that money comes back to you. Plus anything else that you make. Ladies, thank you. Colleen and, and Lois are going to be changed out by two others. And please don't touch the dial. We'll be right back. Everything cooperative, and we have three folks in the studio with us this morning. And we just changed up. We have Kim and Lori this back in with my TV dot. You know, National Co-op Bank sponsors this program. NCB's mission is to support and be an advocate for America's cooperatives and their members, especially in low-income communities, by providing innovative financial and related services. So, has NCB worked with Rock USA? Do you know? Yes. Okay. Wonderful. I can't. I can't go any further than that. Okay. <laughs> uh, I heard it last night. That's why I, I yes, knew the answer was yes. Uh, I assume an innovative financing of these manufactured homes, manufactured home communities. Now, are these low-income communities? Ours is. Yes. Ours is as well. I'd say majority of them. Lori, Kim. Yes. Yeah, for the most part, uh, they're all uh, low to moderate income. There's, there's, there are some that are uh, over 55 communities that might not be categorized in, uh, in that way, but 99% are low to moderate income housing. Okay, but wait a minute. You, y'all white folk, y'all, y'all don't have no low income. It's only black and Hispanics. <laughs> me, and, me and not TV dad from Mexico. <laughs> what are you talking about? How y'all low income? <laughs> that's what I read in the paper. Yeah. I mean, I mean that's government. my average life. What do you do? <laughs> <laughs> We know the struggle. We know the struggle. <laughs> we know the struggle. <laughs> well, I tell you, I grew up in Bluefield, West Virginia. On the mountaintop that we grew up, it was black and white, and we were all po. Okay? And so we all played together. So I, I've known that, but it's amazing what gets in the media and what's played up. So, Lori, tell us about your community. Where are you, where are you at? Well, um, I'm from uh, Kalispell, Montana. Montana? Yes. Way out there west. Co- I think cold, Big sky and, country. cold and cowboys. <laughs> and cowgirl. We have color TV and you yeah, we have TV. Yeah, <laughs> in Colorado. Okay. Pony Express has been replaced. And oh, <laughs> with wagons or horses. Okay. With real cars. <laughs> but um, yeah. We, how many how many units in your? We have 32 units in our cooperative. Okay. Yeah, we have be, we became a cooperative in 2010. Okay. So we've had a lot of changes since then. When we became a cooperative, the previous owner 
Uh, we were in luck. At, he was um, real in favor of uh, making an opportunity for us to become a community versus some of them that are being sold out from underneath of us. We didn't have that. We didn't encounter that with our previous owner. So that was nice. And he still keeps in contact with us today and, and gives us kudos on our improvements and, and so forth. So that's really good. Like I said, we've made lots of changes since then. When we first started, we had failing sewer. And we got hooked to the city and went through that project. It took about uh, a couple of years okay. to get that all final and done. But we've since done, made some new roads. We've put up fences all kinds of things and it's 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 changed us in that over the past six years it took some time but we're just now coming into people understanding what a community a cooperative community is so what motivates you you to become a co-op to to come to the co-op yeah to become a co-op in 2010 well it, i had just personally moved in right as they were coming a co-op becoming a co-op Mm-hmm. So prior to that, I don't know okay. how the folks were feeling before that. but Okay. So, Lori, um, have, has your rents gone up, down, or sideways, or stayed the same? <laughs> no, our rent, lucky enough, we had been able to keep our rent steady for the last six years. We had no no rent increases. So. No rent increases. No rent increases. In fact, when we got our sewer project completed, um, we were able to absorb the cost for that for each of our members and have since without adding that to the rent. So we have water, sewer, and garbage included in a $290 rent. Y'all keep coming with these strange stories. You (laughs) did all of these improvements. You got to where your stuff would go down, okay? Yes. (laughs) Okay. And you got water. You had 32, 33 families? 32. 32 families, and you don't raise the rents? Nope. No, sir. All right. Okay. Hallelujah for co-ops. Yes. All He's right. And Kim, Mr. Like Kim, we got, we got a man yes. in the house with yeah. <laughs> the token, The token male of the group. Uh, hey. <laughs> Where are you at? Where are you? I, I'm you are? from Goffstown, New Hampshire. Uh, Goffstown. Goffstown. G-O-L-F? G-O-F-F. Goff. Goffstown. Okay. Our cooperative is named Medville Cooperative. It's uh, 301 homes, very diverse group of folks. I'd say that uh, probably 65%, maybe 70% fall in the category of low to moderate income. It's an over 55 community. Uh, We have folks that are retired there and vacation in Florida. They're they're the... uh, the West Side. Mm. <laughs> uh, I say that jokingly, uh, but but the great thing is that uh, it's the great thing about cooperatives is that, is that we're a community, and uh, you wouldn't know at going to events in our community that uh, there is such a diverse, large disparity in terms of affordable uh, income. Uh, income. Yeah, neat. And so over 55. So is it an active community over 55? Yeah, it is a very active community. Uh, it's it's uh we we take pride in building community uh we have uh over 100 volunteers uh within the community that help to uh uh as an example we have a clubhouse where we we have two nights a week there's cribbage clubs uh, one night a week there's bingo 
uh, we put on uh, about 30 events a year uh, for so that there's a social uh, life there for folks that uh, can't can't afford otherwise to uh, to go out uh, on the town and enjoy uh, what's going on. And so we we do a lot of food related activities just because that's my background, and so I I kind of push that. So are you on the board, Ken? I am on the board. I when I first moved there, I was appointed as treasurer. Uh, I subsequent was elected to president, uh, served six years, termed out, took my two years sabbatical off, back on the board. Okay, so you are either glutton for punishment, <laughs> or that's, you that's like part what of it. you're doing. <laughs> Both. Okay. Because being on a board has been my experience. It's, it's, not, it's a, almost a thankless job. It is. And it's very rewarding. It, 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 is, it right? is rewarding, and I think it's, it's really what you make of it. And, and you know, if, if, if your heart is there to help, uh, people see that. And so it, there are times when it's thankless, but for the most part, uh, I keep getting elected, so they, like, they must like me a little bit. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So why, how long have you all been in existence? Uh, we uh, we pe- became a cooperative in 2006. Uh, I moved in in 2007. Uh, so it's been a while. We have 11 years. 11 years, uh, going on 12. But the, uh, it was very rough going in the beginning. Uh, uh, but we got through that uh, that rough that rough patch, uh, and uh, we're. Uh, we're a very vibrant and financially uh, uh, well-maintained community. Vibrant and well-maintained. Fina- what's uh, well-maintained financially, socially, community-wise? Uh, people caring for people. Uh, we have people who get to the point where they can't mow their lawn anymore, and the next door neighbor mows the lawn for them. Uh, we have, you know, not far from me. Uh, an elderly gentleman that uh, he's he's surrounded with widows, so he has a half a dozen houses that he snowballs and mows lawns uh, uh, as as they're needed. So yeah, it's people caring for people. So I just looked at your well page. You have uh, one home for seventy one thousand nine, another one for one hundred and twelve nine, another one for eighty two nine. You like nine hundred at the end, forty four nine. So it looks like these are. But it, they used to call them double wide. <laughs> yeah, I hate that term. <laughs> yeah, there, there, there are single wides and double wides in the community. It just means that there's two houses put together uh, that are, are two f- parts put together. It makes them twice as wide. But their their homes. Uh, I mean, a lot of the homes have been completely redone. A lot of them, you wouldn't tell the difference between that house and our, and any other ranch house because that's what they turn them into. They are ranches. They look they yeah. They, they're a ranch house, and they they look the ones that have been refurbished look the same as any other stick built ranch house. Okay. So, Lori, what motivated you to get involved in the co-op? So, long story short, in 2008, my husband suffered a cardiac arrest. And was not able to work anymore. Mm. Sorry to hear. And that. at that time, we had just purchased uh, what you would call your dream home. Okay. 
And long story short, we, we ended up losing that home and having to change our life. Our life took a big 360. Okay. And so what we needed... So in 2008? In 2008. So you're right in the downturn. Yep. And you bought the house when? What the, year? The year before, 2007. So you paid high price, and then yep. the market went out, yep. tanked out, so you can't get the value out of the house, and then he has a heart attack. Right. Oh, yeah. Right. So yeah. neither of us could work at this at that time. So we ended up losing the home. And what we really, really needed was um, we had some retirement that we could draw from. So we needed to go somewhere where we knew this couldn't happen to us again and that we could afford to purchase outright. And so we looked all over town and we came to Green Acres and found a nice little place there and purchased it. And it had not become a co-op yet, but they were just in the process. And they told us about it, and we're like, wow, we're buying into so, that right now. So this story of what happened in 07, 08 happened in Colorado as well as in Washington, D.C., or New York, or Massachusetts, anywhere. The same story of mm -hmm. folks having bought, I bought a house in 2007, mm -hmm. okay, in Prince George's County. And my wife's dream home wasn't mine. Phenomenal home. Usually it is. Okay. And she passed in 08. I'm sorry. And it tanked out. It it lost it, half of the value. It it went down half. Okay. Because there were some greedy folk that was making loans, mortgages. And I didn't make one of those mortgages, but it all got caught up. It didn't make any difference if you had one of those or not. So that's the other reason I like co-ops and credit unions is mm -hmm. because most of the time people in co-ops make decisions long-term for what's best for the community, not mm -hmm. short-term on what's best return on investment for whatever the stakeholder is, mm -hmm. okay? And that's why I love co-ops. Um, yeah. So I'm glad you guys, before you all decided, before you went to Green Acres, you needed Green Acres. <laughs> you needed mm -hmm. something green. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. So we moved into there, and it became a co-op, and we we're like, "Wow, this is this is wonderful." You know, we got some security here, yep. and we're gun ho because we'd always taken a lot of pride in our home. So we were gun ho to take pride where we were at now. And uh, it was a short time after that that um, I was asked to be on the board as president, and I was very shy. Very, very shy. <laughs> and so... I don't hear I, any shyness now. Right. <laughs> I don't hear any shyness. But I was Back then. scarily shy, yes. Oh, okay. <laughs> so I did agree to do that. And um, it and it's it's been great. It's six years I've been the president. And it's been wonderful. It's, it's, it's kind of, for me, a way of, you know, first and foremost, uh, it's for my family. That's that's first and foremost what okay. I do it for. But other than that, you know, I love helping. It's, it's all about the people in the community. We're going to take our last break. We'll be right back, and we'll keep continue this great conversation. Please don't touch that dial. Washington, D.C.'s News Talk, 1450 AM, WOF, 95.9 FM. Information is power, and that's why WOL makes a great partner because National Co-op Bank is sponsoring this program to give you information about cooperatives. So you have the power. That power only comes if you use the information. 
You've got to use the information in order to get the power. And we have Natividad, Kim, and Lori in the studio talking about the power that they get by being in cooperation with other people, caring for each other. So we got Kim is from New Hampshire, a 301-unit community, and Lori's out there in the West and open skies in Colorado with 32 folk in their community from Green Acres. And Kim's is called Melville, right? Medville. Medville, M-E-D-ville. Okay, so now I want to talk a little bit about what is it like working together. And, Kim, you talked about liking to cook. So, oh, Lori's from Montana. Okay. I was out there. Okay. Montana. <laughs> sorry. I'm sorry, Lori. What do you, when you like to cook, what kind of things do you all do out there as far as cooking? I'm running, I like to eat. Yeah, well, <laughs> one of the things that these communities, how these communities can be more successful is to create community, and creating community is creating a social atmosphere. Uh, cooking is sort of m my background, so I love to cook, so I find uh, ways to incorporate that in in, in uh, community. So uh, I do, you know, we do we do a half a dozen breakfasts a year on a Saturday morning. We'll do a full breakfast buffet. Uh, we charge people $7. We have uh, 12 or 15 people in our community who are under-resourced and we'll find a way to get them a ticket so that they can go as well. But that, it's it's not unusual to see a room full of 80 people sitting at tables of eight uh, just having conversation and enjoying creating themselves. community, enjoying themselves. Uh, started last year, this, this Friday night fish fry. Uh, I think the first one we had 40 people at, and people said, you know, you don't have a kitchen. How are you going to cook fish? Is it going to be greasy? It can't be that good. We had 40 people sign up, and then those 40 people brought three people to the next one. Yeah, so we had 120. Yeah. That happened to be one that uh, uh, Mike uh, uh, Bullard was at, that uh, part of the uh, Rock USA, and uh, he, he had witnessed uh, someone who had... Uh, moved into our cooperative that morning and came that night sitting at a table and fi and finding eight new friends. All right. Uh, seven new friends, I should say. Yeah. So in any case, uh, it creates community, it creates a social atmosphere, and who doesn't like to eat? I like to under-resource that term. I like that term, as opposed to poor or broke. Uh, yeah. Yeah, under-resource. And now, TV Dodd, you were talking about a playground. You all, how did you... Create it, I mean, what, why is that important? Our community is very small, and the children had to play in the street for uh, since 2011. We didn't have anywhere for them to play. And NPR came out and did a, a great story on us, and one of the things that I had mentioned on the story was if there was any one thing I could do before anything ever happens to me is made sure that the children had a playground. And the next thing I know... Paul Bradley at Rock USA said, we're going to put a push button that you can donate money to nationwide, and the first $15,000 is going to Park Plaza Cooperative to purchase a playground. And we got a playground. Our community only had to, out of pocket, spend $500 more to make sure that it happened. And on August 1st, I believe it's been a year now, the children went to summer school in the morning at 8 o'clock, shortly after. The crew showed up, and when they got off the bus, did I say a plane? 
They went to summer school okay. on a bus. Okay. And when they came back at 11 o'clock and got off the bus, the playground was there. The backpacks went flying, and the children pay, played until we had to kick them out. <laughs> <laughs> and they use it every day, every day, and it's been the best thing that's ever happened to us. And so now we just got to find some funding to fence it off. Okay, so just tell Paul to hit a button again. (laughs) (laughs) Well, (laughs) we want others to be able to enjoy the button as well. (laughs) And Lori, you said you're small, uh, not TV Dad at 90, but Lori's smaller at 32. Do you all have a playground or you have any events, social events out in Montana? We do not have a playground. In our 32 spaces, we probably only have kids that are in three of them, so we really don't have very many kids in our community. Mm -hmm. But we do have a small community center that used to be an old old laundry building. So we have um, remodeled that into a community center. And so we do the barbecue thing through the summer and stuff like that. And it's been a great place to have our uh, meetings and a lot easier for people to get to there. They're, they're more willing to come when they just got to walk across the street or whatever. So that's been been a real real nice thing to have in the community. Okay. Now, Natividad, I think this is a question for you. How has this co-op mainstream and its co-op members in Rock USA across the country, how has this been working? We're, we're talking, we got Montana, New Hampshire, Massachusetts? Minneapolis, Minneapolis, Minnesota, Minnesota. Oh, yes, okay. Minnesota. I got the M right. Okay. okay. <laughs> How's this been going around the country? It's it's going very well. Um, New Hampshire has the biggest amount, as they they keep saying over and over, because they've been around a long time. Minnesota actually only has, I believe, eight or nine at this time, and two are in the works. And it's it's spread out all the way into Wisconsin area. So we're not as fortunate as New Hampshire to be so closely. Um, together in the same city area. We're the only one in the city of Minneapolis right now, and we we would love to see more of that. And in Minnesota, although we're Minnesota nice, our thought on this process of cooperative living in this particular style housing has always been a pushback for the longest time. Pushback from whom? Government, let's just say the government. And, and, And now it's changing because our story's been out there, NPR's been out there, um, our community's been in the paper, and we've been on the radio. We're constantly close with our legislator and our senator, Democrat, Republican. It doesn't even matter. We've actually had them visit our community more than once and and continue to invite them on a continuous basis because we want them to see how important this is for everyone in the state. And we just recently had a very big closing that was distraught on many different levels beyond belief and it was on tv in the paper and i think that really opened the eyes to everyone in the state to say why are we doing this to people why are we displacing them the affordable housing level in the manufactured home communities isn't out there enough we need to talk about it more we need to show it on tv more we need change we need laws changed We've just managed to pass two bills that we'll be able to announce pretty soon that we've been working on for months and years. Yay, Minnesota. So I I think um, stories, 
radio, TV, papers, people like you letting us tell our story will help a ton. Well, I really believe that cooperators don't tell the stories. We don't promote. And this is what why this program got started, because people just don't know about the, the benefits of co-ops. And it's, it is wonderful. For everything that you all have all said, Lois and Colleen and the three of you all in here, is the benefits. Lower the same rents for six years, three mm-hmm. years, or lower the rents, increase um, um, your capital improvements, okay, have community fish fries, okay. And But I, I'm curious, how did you cook them? <laughs> <laughs> Outdoor fryers. Outdoor fryers. So, so, so it, yeah, outdoor fryers. Uh, we we have a uh, we call a fundraising committee that puts on uh, yard sales and craft fairs and things like that and raise money, and then they donate back to the community. They donated a couple of nice outdoor fry laters for me. So uh, having them indoors requires a whole lot different investment. But right. in any case, we cook outside and uh, dine in. Got it. So that gets to another question of best practices. Do you all, by any chance, all of these communities use the same chart of accounts, do the same type of accounting, same type of reports, uh, reports so you can see what best practices are look like? Yeah. Well, the great thing about this cooperative movement is that its, it's success is dependent on technical uh, assistance. We have uh, organizations that provide technical expertise in all of these areas so that we're, we're similar in a lot of ways in terms of how we account for uh, uh, our finances and, uh, and the like. So uh, where we use different accountants and different, but we still have pretty much very similar chart of accounts and s- expenditures and saving for capital improvements uh, and th- that sort of thing. So it's, it's pretty similar in that, re- re- that respect. Yeah, um, what I do in in day is I do property management, so I'm, that's how I learned about co-ops, and that's what I've been pushing. If we if we could all get the same reports, we could see best practices. We got a 30 seconds. Who has final word? What do you want to leave people with? Thank you, Boris. You are a great Uber driver this morning. Just saying. <laughs> okay. And we thank you very much for having us on our show and being able to tell our stories. Thank you, God, for being here. Listen, everybody, live cooperatively. You can go online to ncb.coop to information or ncba.coop to get information about co-ops. And we'll be back next Thursday in the process. Please live cooperatively, and we'll see you next Thursday. Bye. We got to hurry. Washington, D.C.'s News Talk, 1450 AM, W.O.L. and 95.9 FM.